happy Memorial Day. It's Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, here with all the social ladies. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful day. And I know we're still pretty new, but I thought I would use this opportunity, since it is Memorial Day, to share one of my all-time favorite interviews, the interview with Laura Ruth of Citibank, where she shares how she got to this tremendous position so early in her career, how she worked her way up and has done some amazing things in social media. Enjoy! Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kirpin. Now, Carrie Kirpin. Hi, and welcome to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I am Carrie Kirpin. Today, we are speaking to Lara Ruth, who is the Vice President of Content and Social at Citibank. Uh, Lara, in addition to having over 11 years of experience at more than eight Fortune 100 companies, she also has a lot of really fun facts, including the fact that she is the founder and managing editor of an amazing food blog called Grits in the City. She speaks fluent Spanish, and she also has time to fly the flying trapeze. So welcome today, Lara. We're so excited to talk to you. Thank you. So glad to be here. We're so happy to have you. And so tell us a little bit about you've had a very, very impressive career that had a a start pretty young, right? So I'd Mm -hmm. love to hear about kind of how you started in your career and got to this amazing position at City. Sure, sure. I actually studied international business um, as my undergrad degree. Um, So I have a degree in Spanish, as you were mentioning, and a degree in business. And I actually studied marketing. So I had intended to hopefully um, land a job doing marketing for a company. But at the end of my undergrad program, I landed an internship with Citibank in the Latin American regional offices in Miami, which ended up being an HR job. So um, there I kind of kind of found myself falling into HR unexpectedly. And there was sort of working, um, supporting international assignees, doing um, corporate relocation, um, you know, and, and first of all, was doing a lot of the the, the not-so-glamorous side of HR, doing a lot of the data management, um, doing a lot of administration of employee, you know, um, reimbursements, tuition reimbursements and such, and sort of grew in that position um, and was moved into a role managing the Latin American region for um, global mobility, so managing sort of the entire expatriate program throughout Latin America, and I had, you know, 23 different coordinators that I was sort of working with, um, trying to support them, making sure we were doing it consistently throughout the region. It was great, great experience. Um, then I moved and made the choice. It was more of a personal decision to, um, I was not a fan of Miami. So I made (laughs) a move to, um, Washington DC and there I worked doing HR again, but slightly different. I was doing, I was doing again, the international assignment piece, but also, um, got to work with, um, with compensation, doing the analysis behind compensation design um, for Wilmer Hale for a law firm. So very different space, but, you know, great experience. And then I had the opportunity um, to go back to city and New York at the global level, again, doing global mobility. But I kind of, you know, progressed there into more of a communications um, role. And I developed sort of our internal web presence for all of the um, 
you know, HR employees who are working with, you know, relocating employees or employees on international assignment, as well as sort of a side of the, the website that supported the employees who were on assignment. It was great experience to be able to, you know, build out that sort of um, new um, website to, you know, add like a, a great level of support for all of those, you know, um, that touch all of that. And, you know, then my big switch was at City. I was given the opportunity. I had been in the global mobility role for about three and a half years, was given the opportunity then to move over a big switch into the marketing department and took on a social media role. And, you know, with City, I've been working um, in community management. So I've kind of my role has kind of grown and evolved and whatnot over the three years that I've been there. But I've had, you know, the opportunity to work on, you know, social media content creation, a big focus continually throughout the three years on community management. I'm essentially doing community management across all of the consumer-facing social media channels. So we have three different Twitter handles that I'm working with. You know, we have our, our Citibank Facebook page. We're also on Google+, on YouTube, you name it. So I'm, you know, the... If people are interacting with with people in the space, or people are interacting with the brand rather on any of those channels, you know, I'm the one kind of doing the interaction. Um, with the exception, we do have a servicing team who sort of handles the yep. the nitty gritty details. If something goes wrong with your account or you have a question or need to escalate something, they're managing those. But anything else, I'm kind of you know on hand and 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 responding back, which is great. Wow, how do you have time to sleep? That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. So, a couple questions for you from what what you said there. Yes. Um, first, you started in HR and you went into communications. And I, for me, I would think that those skills mm-hmm. are essential in social media. Actually, is is learning about people and how to talk to them and with them. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it really helped that um, you know I kind of slowly evolved and tried to seek out opportunities that kind of gave me the opportunity to move towards that direction. Um, so you know, and being able to take my experience with international assignments, but move it into a space that touch more on communication. And I feel like it helps, like with HR, you're working a lot with the personal details of, you know, what the employees are doing for different things. So, you know, whether it's the compensation or or dealing with their their relocation program package benefits. Um, and so that really was, was helpful in moving into something that's more communication customer service focused because I'm, I'm used to dealing with people, things that are very sensitive and very personal for people. And that kind of worked well to progress from one to the other. So it's really interesting. Do you think that in social, um, the the skill set needed, do you feel like it's more important to have a stronger marketing background or a stronger communications and, and people skill background? I feel like it's more the people skill background because I feel like for us, I mean, obviously we're using the channel for marketing purposes, but I mean, People are going to are going to look for that kind of information and interact with that information once you've sort of met their other needs. They're much more concerned, you know, if they're having a problem with their account that no one's like addressing. Or um, I work with our private pass program and that kind of is all of the pre-sales for mm-hmm. concerts and that kind of thing. They, they don't want to interact with our marketing messaging if they can't get access to the hottest concert that they're trying to buy right, tickets for. So right. I feel like that and being able to interact with them and address those needs makes it so that you're able to interact and engage on the marketing side. And I feel like if you don't address, you know, the, that communication side, if you don't address that, then you're not going to be able to break through or engage on the marketing front. I would imagine that marketing messaging um, for a company in the financial services industry can be challenging. What types of things? I know you mentioned concert mm-hmm. tickets. So yes. tell me about some of the content that you put out. I would imagine it's beyond just you know the message of the company. Right. No, absolutely. We're, we're trying to continually add new things that are fun and engaging for all of our customers. So we did some neat things ne- recently with our thank you card where it, it's all about earning extra points on, on dining entertainment. So we did a whole um, thing called Culinary B 
Beats, which it was like pairing chefs and, you know, certain musicians and kind of doing sort of a, a video segment where they kind of would sit down and have an interview. And at the end, there was a performance. So we're trying to kind of do interesting things that obviously ties into our products and services, but in a social way that's interesting and engaging and trying to continually evolve that. You know, we have some challenges because, you know, being financial services, there's a lot of legal disclosures, yep. you know, um, Unfortunately, we have lots and lots of review that has to go into everything, so yes. which which continues to be a challenge. But our legal team is great, and we've kind of come long way in like being able to turn around content and make it more engaging. So I feel like that's continued to evolve and gotten us to a really good place. That's great. So I I have a couple questions about that. I would imagine that community management is probably very challenging when you have this kind of mandatory regulation space. Absolutely. How, how do you handle that? What's any best practices for working in that type of space? Sure. Uh, we have it kind of structured and broken out so that there's certain things that are legal is comfortable that I need to manage. There's certain things that our servicing team manages. We kind of have evolved the process over the years. It started with it being very scripted and very reviewed, and it, it had to be just because, yes. you know, they wanted to make sure we were speaking to card benefits or account issues or whatever in very certain terms and also very clear progression as to what could be publicly communicated and when it has to switch over to phone or something much more secure just for security purposes. But um, when it comes to a lot of the more freeform engagement, that kind of stuff has to come from our team just based on legal's comfort level. But I, you know, I'm, it's, it's great. Like I'm now able to, unless there's something that has very specific product terms and mentions and references and whatnot, I'm able to sort of real-time engage and customer service, not customer service, community manage rather, and, and not required to have that sort of review, which is very helpful. So that sounds like you've built a lot of trust within the organization mm-hmm. with legal. And and how do you recommend, I know a lot of young people who are in social media in a large organization have a lot of trouble um, either convincing higher ups or working with different groups to help get things done. Do you have any suggestions for how you did that? Because it sounds like um, you've really built this incredible trust with them. Is there any good suggestions on that? I mean, I think we we came from a very... Um, conservative standpoint where we were, you know, getting them on board. It was more like informing, like, how the different platforms worked, like, and it was trying, and I feel like over the over the course of all of this, like, we've, we've tried to kind of demystify the process to them because it's like, yes, they're aware, yes, they understand somewhat how these platforms work, but they're not necessarily everyday users and things change and it's like, instead of just talking in vague terms, like, sitting down, showing them a plot, like, how the platform works, showing them screenshots going step by step, and I feel like I've also learned that, you know, what works for one attorney maybe doesn't work for the other, that they're going to have different comfort levels. And it's like meeting them on their level, explaining things, making it feel like you're not trying to sneak something by them, like being as forthcoming as possible. I kind of tend to err on the side of over-explaining. And that's really, really kind of worked well to build that trust with our legal team. So now they understand that, you know, I'm going to come to them with issues. I'm going to give them all of the information that they need. And I'm not like hiding something in the back See, corner. I, I love this because I think this is so much of your human resource and communication skill coming mm-hmm. into play. Like it's it's how do you navigate through a large organization? And also what you see is that you've you've really grown within an organization. Do you mm-hmm. have any advice for somebody who's starting at a big company and really wants to grow within that company? Is there any advice that you would have, both coming from yeah. the HR standpoint and as somebody who's done it themselves? Absolutely. Well, I feel like it's just it's just being aware of what the opportunities are there. I mean, I feel like I was very lucky where I am because I mean HR to marketing, I mean, there's very different 
there's different people, very, very different people that yes. don't overlap. So, I mean, I actually, in this case, I'll be very honest. I took advantage. I had a, a personal connection within the marketing team. And if, if it wasn't for that connection, it would have been very hard for me to make that jump. So, and I feel like that's not something necessarily you can always replicate in an organization, but I think it's just being on the lookout for those outside of the box opportunities yep. that maybe, you know, you, you might not be able to do every single time, but maybe in that specific circumstance comes into, into play. And I feel like it's also looking at your experience and trying to bridge the gap. So like if you're looking to, to make a move like I did, like looking to be like, okay, I know, I know I haven't managed marketing, you know, marketing campaigns mm-hmm. for a corporation, but what have I done that sort of transfers well over to that? And how can I sell myself and my background in a way that really meets what they're looking for in this open position? And, you know, I think I, I've really worked to kind of make that gap. And I feel like I made that argument and I was able to make that move. And then then you develop here and then you're doing it again for the next position. So, See, I love that. It sounds like um, sitting back and being passive is not the way mm-hmm. to grow. It's no, really absolutely. about looking for the opportunity, mm-hmm. making a case for why you fit that opportunity, even absolutely. when it's not the most natural, right? So mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not the natural progression to go from HR to marketing. But it really sounds like it, when you think about your career and the steps mm-hmm. you've taken, it was actually the perfect step. Absolutely. And then I feel like it wasn't even just that. It was also like the personal, like your personal network. Like I have realized it's just, it really is everything. It's like, you know, even if you're moving from trying to move from one team to another internally. Maybe there's like at City, we have like the City Women's Group that, you know, there's different ways that you can meet other people from other teams that can kind of build that out. If you found yourself over in one section, you're trying to make a big jump over to another, like anything you can do to sort of get in front of these new people, get them to know you as a person, to understand your experience, then that really sort of gives you the end to make that move. It's funny. I was going to ask you that because when you think about, you know, I know Sheryl Sandberg talks a lot about getting a sponsor and people who can kind of see you through your career. Do Mm -hmm. you find that that helped you, like getting people who are really invested in your career and helping you move through the ranks? Oh, absolutely. I think it makes all of the difference, all the difference. I mean, the the person who had this role before me at City was was very instrumental in helping me to sort of make that jump over. And then, you know, once I've joined the team, um, you know, I was at the time first working directly under Frank Eliasson, and he was super helpful in sort of introducing me to people outside of city yes. within the social space. And I had sort of had the opportunity on my on the personal side, I had been doing a lot of networking and going to a lot of meetups and such before I moved into social. But I definitely had like connections here within New York um, that were very different level or different types of organizations than Frank had access to. So I was very lucky that I was able to sort of get in um, and he was able to get me in touch with people to get me like doing speaking opportunities and things like that that I would have never thought that I would be able to have access to so early on. So I feel like it's just kind of building out that network and seeing where you can kind of grow. And don't you think that social media gives you this amazing access to people that you never would have been able to connect with. It's crazy. It's very crazy. You can connect with anyone. I mean, Um, you really can. I mean, and I feel like, you know, coming, being someone who's very passionate about food, like I had Eric Repair retweet me once. And like, I feel like little things like that, that you're just like, I'm, I'm interacting with chefs. I could, I, I could interact with actors and actresses or people who are running major corporations. And like, you know, I feel like I, I've embraced all those opportunities and I feel like you build those relationships and you never know where it's going to go. Maybe it goes nowhere, but it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's a whole different ballgame. So it sounds like you, your personal use of social media and using social media 
media online has also helped your career. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that was how I was able to make the switch over from HR into marketing. I had been doing, um, you know, Grits in the City, my, my, my food blog. I had been doing that for six and a half years since I moved to New York and had been using social media as a way to sort of, you know, generate buzz around that, to share content, to kind of build a community. And, you know, I'd, I'd basically been, you know, exploring all the different options for social um, for me personally, which was very helpful. And I, you know, kind of hadn't at, you know, at that time worked um, in done anything with social rather for, for an organization, but I kind of had the overall understanding. I'd been watching how brands used it. I kind of had some ideas and, you know, was really excited to sort of bring that into the so experience. It sounds like your personal use of social really helped give you the credibility to make that jump. Absolutely. And, and I feel like, you know, it really paid off that, I mean, I've always been pretty strategic about how I use social media. Um, you know, I feel like coming from coming from an HR background mm-hmm. and just kind of at the time, you know, knowing how cautious the, the company had been about use in social media and your connection with city and what you were saying and doing, all of that. I've always been really careful about how I use social media yes. and what sort of image I portray and yes. just kind of being very respectful about that content and knowing that anybody could access it. And that really came to, you know, came to be an advantage for me because I was able to, I was very proud of everything that I put out socially. There was nothing that was, you know, questionable or that I really wouldn't want, you know, an organization Mm -hmm. to come across. And I feel like that's really key because if you're wanting to sort of make that switch over, then you want that impression of, of, of you out there to be something that you would want to own instead of want to distance yourself from. And so do you feel that working at a big company, they like that you have a strong social presence? Like you you yourself have a strong social presence. Do, is that something that's encouraged or is it something that's kind of neutral? I think so. I mean, I think it's I think because I'm not necessarily using it solely to promote city. I'm right. using it very much as as a personal user. And I'm, yes. I'm occasionally, obviously, sharing things and amplifying things that we're doing, but in a very selective way. And um, and I feel like they, they do encourage that use so long as it's appropriate and all of that. Yes. But yes, I think so. And I think it's, you know, we want we want people on our team to be, um, you know, well, well regarded in the social media space. We want people who are avid users themselves because then they're going to be able to use it really well internally if they've been using it successfully personally. I totally agree. Okay, it's time. I want to hear all about Grits in the City (laughs) because, of course, I have an obsession now that you introduced me to it. I've been reading and obviously basically drooling over every photo. (laughs) So tell me all about the start. Tell me about how it grew. Absolutely. Well, I've I've always been very passionate and interested about writing. I've also always really enjoyed food. Um, Who doesn't? I know. I mean, so I've 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 had a blog in some form or fashion. Good grief! I for for way longer than I would like to admit. But um, I've kind of evolved that, and I used to have it of a much more personal nature. And I got yep. to the point where I was like, you know what? Like, I want something that I can own that I can continually like update and whatnot. But let me pick a topic. I wanted to focus it in. I kind of very very similar to what we kind of do in in, in social and on the corporate side. Like I was like. I, I want to pick a focus. So uh, when I moved to New York, I decided to to focus it in on food. And I kind of started it out more more from a personal place that I was just, you know, this is for me. Like I wanted photos that documented where I'd been, my experiences. But I always kind of bring in a little bit of a personal story to it because to me, you know, I'm, I'm from the South. I feel like food is, is very personal. It's yes. like, so I feel like it's not just about your meal, but it's like the people that you're with, the experience, or, you know, it's going to the, the food festivals that you're going with your friend. And it's all, it's just all about the experience together mm-hmm. with people as well. And so, um, you know, I've just used it throughout the years as, you know, a place to sort of capture, fo- I'm big in 
to, to, to photography as yes. well. So to, to add, you know, to add the photos with the actual narrative and share about these experiences. And it's it's been a really great way to sort of embrace the city because I've done it the whole time that I've been in New York to embrace the city. And it gives me an extra kind of incentive to continually explore and try new places and to stay in tune with the food, um, sort of the food um, up and coming opportunities in the city, which has been really great. That's amazing. And so how do you find the time to do it all? I kind of, well, what I try to do is, first of all, I try to balance everything out a little bit. So, I mean, there's definitely some times where I'm not publishing as much here. And I don't feel, I don't feel compelled to, to have to publish. Like, mm-hmm. I, I try to, like, there's certain things that I try to share timely. But, like, you know, there's times that I post a lot and there's times that I don't post a lot. And I kind of decided, you know, originally that I wasn't going to feel pressured to to do any certain cadence. I wanted it to come from an authentic, natural mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's times, obviously, where at work things are just, you know, crazy that, you know, it just doesn't have, there's not time for it. So, you know, I don't I don't pressure myself to do that. And um, I actually do a lot of writing on the subway for both work or um, for this as well. So I just try to take advantage of all those little times that I have to kind of pull stuff together and then publish it when I have when I have free time. So you write on the subway. I love that. I love uh, riding on the subway. Yeah, riding on the subway is good because it's a quite. It's like the space where you're not really. Usually, you don't have the internet. Sometimes you yeah. do now, but in general, Absolutely. it's like just a space to write. Those I, little pockets of forty minute times. I feel like. I feel like if you don't take advantage of those, then it's harder to do some of this stuff. But if you just put it to use, I I, I get a lot of lot of benefit out of that. Yeah, because you're writing a lot of content. You're writing the content for City. Yes. And you're writing the content for your own personal blog. Yes. Okay. So how do you come up with content and keep it fresh? Do you ever feel like really stuck coming up with content? Um, I mean, I feel like it, it depends. I mean, sometimes yes, because I feel like some some of the stuff with, with City, like the challenge is like we have certain things that we refer to internally as like always on. So it's stuff that, you know, it's, it's not really changing necessarily so much you know, drastically month mm-hmm. over month. So it's like the challenge is trying to make it fresh and exciting when you're really talking about the same products and services. But, you know, we've really kind of tried to add that layer of, you know, seasonality and, and trying to, you know, take advantage of, of trends and things that are going on and kind of make it seasonally relevant. So I feel like, you know, it, it, sometimes it's challenging, but I feel like for the most part, I don't, I feel like, you know, we've kind of gotten to a good place internally where we can kind of make it kind of a little bit more, um, more engaging month over month. But, um, and then personally, I just feel like, you know, I well, feel like personally, I'm, it's your passion. Personally, right? I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always excited to talk about, you know, I don't feel like I really hit, um, points where I'm kind of hitting a wall. I do also, um, work on novels, so I haven't actually finished anything formally uh-huh. yet. But like, I, you know, so that one, I occasionally do hit a little bit of a wall just because it's like longer form and it's a little bit more strategic. But so um, are you writing one novel or you or you've started a couple of I have, you know, I have one that I kind of finished and was like, OK, that was lovely, but this isn't going to go anywhere. But it was a great like first experience because I feel like when you're used to writing shorter form content, writing something long at first seems very daunting. Yes. So I feel like I just kind of wanted to check off like, all right, I did the first one. OK, I'm not going to use it, but I now know how it works. So I'm trying to finish up something now. But, you know, That's it's kind so of fun. Great. Yeah, it's kind of fun. So I feel like you got, you know, your corporate outlet, you know, the, the personal short form and the personal long form. And I just kind of work at them as I have time and don't put pressure on myself, which is well, do you watch right. Girls? Do you, I do watch so Girls. Do, some. <laughs> so that's you're you really have managed to maintain writing because you know they had that scene in Girls where they had all of the people who were writing the advertorials, right. and then they were like had no time for writing outside, and then of course Hannah gets fired. Which you know, <laughs> hopefully no spoilers because you haven't seen it. But it sounds like you're really able to make the time to pursue your creative passion and really grow within your career, which I think is really important because yep. I feel like 
you know, it, it's very easy to let, you know, your, your day job take over fully. Yeah. And then I feel like, you know, if you don't maintain that balance, I feel like everything suffers. So I've kind of made that a priority that even even if, you know, I might want to sit down and write personally mm-hmm. for like huge chunks of time, maybe I don't have that. And, you know, and I've, I've learned that that's OK. Like as long as I'm kind of doing something for me here and there and making that happen in the middle of everything else. And that's that's that works for me. I love this. So how do you what tips would you have for women who are starting in their careers or in their careers and, and really not making the time to pursue their passion? Are there things that you can do to make the time. So it sounds like making it a priority was mm-hmm. the first one you said. Are there any Absolutely. other like any pra- good practical tips around that? Like how do you do- I just I think mean, it's amazing. For for a while I was doing um I think it's called the artist's way and like it, you know it talks about just basically like waking up early in the morning and using that like the the big the big um idea there is that you know those first hours of the day or when you're most creative or when you're least likely to inhibit yourself from Mm -hmm. writing. So like, you know, I did for a little bit, like I would get up really early in the morning and just like free write for an hour. It's just like, I feel like for me, it's just one, it's making time. And then it's just like, like taking advantage of the time, the usable time throughout your day. So like if you're sitting, you know, waiting for people to join you for a meeting and maybe you have like 10 minutes, like to do, to do something with that time. To me, I've like, Adding that up over time adds up to a lot of time that you would have just wasted or so not taken advantage of. It's focusing on that being really highly productive is yeah. like using that free time that you have. I love that. What, a, what an inspiration you are, Laura. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um, question for you on City. Um, do you look at – it must be very challenging then to do any form of real-time content, right? Is right. that challenging to do? It is a little bit challenging. We've, we've, um, you know, I've worked to try to do some creative things that get around that. I mean, we've, we've been lucky enough that, you know, for some bigger events, we've actually had, you know, our legal agree to be on site so they could real time review content so that we could do that. Um, but another way that we've kind of gotten around that is, you know, getting pre-approvals on the content that we're going to be sharing. And then I do more of a real time approval on the photo that accompanies. Um, those are for sort of the bigger things. I feel like a lot of the other conversations that, you know, some of the different, um, you know, companies kind of hop in on a real-time basis aren't necessarily things that we're going to be able to do. Like the the bigger, obviously, like the Super Bowl right, or some of these different right. things, we're not able to really join in on those because, you know, a lot of, lot of legal limitations, a lot of legal exposure there that, you know, we just can't really do. So I feel like we've kind of been, you know, picking and choosing our battles and just knowing where it makes sense for us to, to insert ourselves and where it's like not really the conversation that we need to be in. And so somebody, as somebody who's been in the space for a long time mm-hmm. and really clearly very entrenched in the space, do you think real-time marketing is a great thing for brands or do you think it's overly saturated? I mean, the Super Bowl, I felt, was just yeah. very saturated. Yeah, I think... I mean, I think it's a lot of people competing, yes. a lot of a lot of chatter in the space. I feel like, you know, there's definitely brands where I feel like it just it fits for their culture, it fits for their product, you know. And I feel like in cases where it's not doesn't feel like a stretch and it doesn't feel like it's not authentic, you know, I think it's I think in those cases maybe it's okay. Right. But like I feel like for us it's just knowing that there are just certain times like that that might sound really, really appealing for everybody to jump in and be really important, but really for us doesn't make sense. Yep. So I think it's like knowing for us, like for us like real time enough would be just being able to talk about our yeah. events that are happening when they're occurring. Yeah. And I feel like for us getting to be able to like being able to do that is is a big win. I feel like the other stuff I feel like is is not necessarily going to be where we're going to be. So 
Yeah, I think I think it's a very crowded space, and this, the the looking at the Super Bowl and the Oscars in those areas are so crowded. Mm-hmm. I think the opportunity to be real time might be much more interesting in less crowded spaces, right? When you're Absolutely. looking at, at just a moment to capture. And it sounds like because of your relationships that you've built there, you probably have a better shot mm-hmm. of getting that done than had you not had those relationships. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky that I have, I have all, all of the people who have to approve stuff very quickly for real-time stuff. I have their phone numbers. I text them updates. And like we have a very that's good amazing. relationship. And I feel like that's something that when I came in, I was like, this is this is never going to happen. Like it was very like we were like taking week or two weeks for turnaround time for some of this stuff. And I feel like I just didn't think it was going to evolve. But, you know, we've come a long way. So that's really great. I'm, I'm also fascinated with at a large organization like City how social media is staffed and structured. Like, Mm -hmm. is it structured across a variety of departments? Is there a specific group? How does that work? We have one internal group. There's about 15 of us now, which has definitely evolved. When I joined the team, there was four of us. So it's definitely grown. Um, And and this is is just the team who's doing, we're doing content and social is what our team is, content and social team. And um, we're supporting, you know, we're supporting all of the consumer efforts for city. And so, you know, we have, you know, we have one subgroup that's doing the solutions, the reporting, the listening. Uh, we have a different group that's managing the social media campaigns, which for us means anything that's like a shorter term activation yes. and whatnot. And then we have um, the team that I sit on that does community management, amplification, and then the content creation. So that's kind of how we're structured now. And, you know, we're like there's 15 of us, but each person has a very specific focus. And, you know, we're pretty lean that, that, that you know, I'm doing community management. I'm doing it across. And, you know, the person we have who's doing um, who's new on our team, thankfully, is Yay. managing the content creation, which I used to be doing as well. So, um, you know, it's it's really great. It gives us the opportunity to sort of focus in and then collectively to come together and kind of put that big picture together for the for the whole team. And how do you handle the concept of always on, like in community management? You must feel like I know that many community managers feel that it's a big challenge to put down their phones or to put down any right. of their stuff. Is it is it hard not to? Well, I guess first is how do they handle it on nights and weekends? As it and is it difficult for you to shut mm-hmm. off nights and weekends? I mean, I think you know the challenge of social is that it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, I, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of keeping an eye out for, for what's coming in because, um, you know, nights and weekends, it's it's just me. But, um, you know, for our servicing team, we we have them on staff. They, they're staffed towards the evening. They're staffed on the weekend. So they're kind of looking for all of those you know, customer questions, complaints, and whatnot that come in. There are certain things that they can't engage on, right. but for the majority of it, they can. So that kind of helps for a lot. for sort of our coverage. That helps a lot. And you know, if they see something that's coming up that I really need to address, they reach out to me. Like we have enough people that are sort of looking out for. We have a we have a pretty big distribution that we send out sort of those updates for things that are mm-hmm. breaking in social. So, you know, we kind of help each other out. Um, so I don't really feel like it's. It's literally just me. Um, But, you know, and I feel like there's certain things that, you know, maybe have a little bit more of an urgent nature. Like we've had things like of a public relations nature that have broken on the weekend. And obviously then when things start happening, it's like I just have to kind of drop things and, and kind of check on those. Or like, you know. There was one night where things were going wrong with the pre-sale, and I was up for like four hours wow. going back and forth with customers. But I feel like those are the things that you know aren't necessarily the norm. And I feel like when those happen, like the understanding is, you know, like and that's you know, part of the job. Part of the job, and you know, also like if if it's something that's not urgent, like you can kind of tell the difference. I feel like at this point, and 
you know, if it's something that doesn't have to be immediately addressed, then those kind of things will address the next day. But I feel like if it's something pressing and, you know, becomes a big thing, then that's just kind of the reality. But I feel like those are the opportunities that we have to really make a difference. I feel like the the example I was talking about with the pre-sale, it's like by hopping on and doing that, I feel like people had a really great experience and that generates a lot of positive, you know, return for city and there's a lot of value. So I feel like I see the reason to jump in and do that then. I think that's a great way to look at it. And and when you talk about a positive return for city, how does city measure the success of their social media? Like, what do they look at when they're measuring it? We've been working to evolve because I feel like the challenge with all these different platforms is they give you so many wonderful metrics, yeah. but it becomes so overwhelming and you're trying to consolidate it into one thing that means something that you can communicate back to the business to say, look, this is what we're doing, um, that we can report back on the progress of our team, all of that. So this year, we actually have worked to come up with our own sort of proprietary in-house metric to kind of distill that into one value that we can wow. track over time. So. I don't know. I can't report back yes. as to how well it works because we were literally just rolling this out. But I feel like it's going to be a really good thing for us because, you know, right now we have massive spreadsheets of all of this data. And this is going to be a way that we can kind of over time make it much easier to express back to the businesses and to watch and to monitor and see how things work. So I'm excited to see. Hopefully that that's really hopefully cool this works and well for us. Yeah, I, I think it'll that. be good because, you know, I feel like we, we're overall we're just high level trying to look for that, you know, engagement because right now we're building out our, you know, our different um, channels and trying to sort of build out and grow the communities. But also we don't want to, you know, lose the engagement aspect. So that's kind of continued to be our focus. But then I feel like this metric that we're doing is going to kind of distill that down. So that'll be good. That's awesome. I love that. Very, very innovative of city. That's that's pretty (laughs) great. Okay. Last question. Yes. So you are clearly an inspiration. Uh, And anyone who's listening, I think the, the concept of how you were able to grow uh, within city, of how you're able to make time to follow your passion, all of these things. You are like an image, and even just looking at you, like an <laughs> image of a, a perfect human. So now my question to you is, have you ever had a career oopsie mm-hmm. or anything that you've done mm-hmm. that you'd look back and say, mm, maybe not, yeah. like a slip up? Well, I feel like, you know, I did, um, you know, I, when I was going through my, my progression of how I've moved around and whatnot, I, I did skip over one. I, I made one move when I was um, in Washington, D.C., and I made a switch to another company. And it was it was interesting because I was so, like, fascinated with the idea of what the organization stood for, and I thought it was a great opportunity to grow my career. And when I moved over, it was very interesting because I realized that all of the things that I was wanting to leave behind at my prior role, this organization, even though it was a, a different industry, you know, a different opportunity and, and the role was slightly different, had all of the same things wrong that were broken with the organization mm. as the one where I was before. And so, you know, I feel like I was really concerned at the time because I'd been very strategic in my career about trying to, to, to you know, make moves in a very thought out way and to, and to move and, and stay in an organization like at least two years, three years to sort of grow in that in that role. And I moved over and I was like, this is I just can't I can't stay here. This is this is, is what I but I left, you know, right. basically. So, I mean, I was in that organization, I believe, for two months. And at the time I was really concerned. I was like, is this going to be an issue for me? Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to you know, I'd always heard, you know, when you go into an, you know, an interview, like the organizations are going to pick out those things and you're yeah. going to have to defend them. Yeah. And I was very concerned that that was going to be a negative along the way. But like I've I've found that, you know, being really honest, like if people ask questions, you know, I've been very honest, like, you know, like this was just not what I was what I was expecting. 
expecting. You know, yeah. I got some good exposure to this, and then I had the opportunity to, to, to move back and do this other role. So I've, I've been able to sort of explain it, which I feel like just kind of no, just kind of, I feel like for me, it was just knowing that it's okay for everything to not work out. People, people make choices yes. in their careers and they may work out and they may not. And so I feel like being honest about that and just, and just being prepared to speak to it yes. was, was just the, the thing that I kind of had to get, you know, get to. But so, you know. Yeah. So there's two things there. I mean, there's the self-correction, right? right. The realizing you made a mistake and doing something about it. And the other, the other piece um, that I see, that mm-hmm. I see a lot with um, young women starting out in their career is this idea that the grass is always greener in another position and the desire to jump quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of times there can be a lot of growth within an organization that Mm -hmm. you're in, um, that it doesn't necessarily have to be the same exact position it can be. You can grow within an organization, even smaller ones, I Mm -hmm. think, a lot of times. Um, That's something that I see, too. Well, it was so, so great to have this time with you, you, Laura. It was so much fun. And I'm just, I'm going to watch you and I am excited to see you and your growth in your career and all of the amazing things you're doing at City. Thank you so much. This is great. Thank you. (laughs) You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.